I feel like I should be drinking wine. <laughs> Not because this movie's like a party, but you know, Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah. It just feels thematic. You should take the sacrament. I have my crackers <laughs> and wine and fucking go to town on this movie. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movies That Whip. I'm Gooey Fame, here with Adriel. How's it going, bud? I am doing awesome. I watched this movie last night, and I'm I am like, my head Just is Just last night. Yeah, yeah. My head is, like, still spinning from, from this movie. Well, yeah, and, you know, this is thematic again. We've kept our holiday theme going, <laughs> but here we are in this, this week of uh, Easter. It's coming up. And we're talking about the 1988 film, The Last Temptation of Christ, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader. Yeah, this was a this was a wild one. I've I don't think I've ever seen this movie in full, so it was cool to um, you know finally experience it. You know, see that meme of Willem Dafoe on screen. Obviously, that's the highlight. Listen, okay, so I really didn't know much. I had I don't even think I knew this movie existed to be honest. I had I always just thought that Jesus movies were like The Passion of the Christ, which came out in the early 2000s and that's a Mel Gibson movie. Very very different than Very different. What, yeah, yeah. What we're handling today. Um like just think just Think about it for a second. Martin Scorsese directed this movie. Goodfellas, uh, Taxi Driver. This is the guy who did The Last Temptation of Christ, a Jesus, a movie literally about Jesus. So just that's what we're getting into here. That's where it's, this is where we're starting. Yes. Well, and I, I mentioned up top both, both these guys' names because they both have these certain elements that carry across their um filmography you know like martin scorsese and paul schrader both uh do tackle like religious themes mm-hmm. often in many other movies um naming one isn't doesn't even do it justice but i think of like a few years ago martin scorsese had that movie silence mm-hmm. which i thought was great that was probably one of the most overt ones though his other movies tackle it and then paul schrader Again, a ton of movies, but um, First Reformed from also a few years ago really <laughs> hits on those themes pretty hard. So it's not like this. This is a fun one to cover because I think of particularly with Martin Scorsese and like some of the movies you mentioned, like Goodfellas, you know, people ha- always go like, oh, you know, he makes mob movies or whatever. <laughs> but that's just not, that's like, you know, he's made what, three out of his whatever films you know like his decade-long career so it's fun to like take on a movie like this that shows off other themes that he likes to touch upon it's true like where does this fit into into the timeline of movies that he's done and also just like what are all the movies um i'm sure that people listening probably know this but like just to name off like some of them there's like new york new york goodfellas gangs of new york the aviator the Departed, yeah. Shutter Island, mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street, um, uh, The Irishman. That was the that was like the newest one. Um, but he's also done some other ones that are like he did. Um, 
Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Hugo, that like that like ch- children's adventure mm-hmm. movie, um, and the Age of Innocence, which was like a romance. So like he he does have like a pretty wide um, like uh, spread of themes and you know audiences that he's that he's making movies for. But he but he really does have this kind of like gritty like masculine take on, on like a I think a lot of these movies like the aviator the departed gangs of new york all these things but the reason that i'm that i'm bringing this up is that i think that like that carried into this movie in a way that i loved i loved this like kind of like almost like a new york mm-hmm. like kind of grit that was like <laughs> in this movie about literally jesus it was just i i thought it was awesome <laughs> well that there's a couple things you made me think of there. One is I think that comes across a lot because of the presence of Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is Judas. Like, because I do, I mean, I've seen him in other types of roles as well. But, I, you know, what? I guess maybe it's because the first movie I remember seeing him as a kid was in Pulp Fiction or whatever. And even that that's because Tarantino is inspired by past performances of him. But, like, I, mm-hmm. I see more of that, like, mob kind of character in him and in this movie he is a guy who is like he i mean there's there's a there's like a more boring like realistic take of of this movie that someone could do where it's like it is like there are mob you know elements to this you know because they are like yeah they are like navigating power structures which like is a common theme in a lot of uh you know crime movies and stuff like that of how they absolutely it's like a political drama and i I think that is here i i I agree with you here but i i what i like about it is like that's i mean that just speaks to i think a martin scorsese movie but it's like that's only one element of like this depth of like all types of themes being covered you know and it's not Mm -hmm. strictly portrayed as like like I, someone I could see just someone coming up to you with a pitch of like, you know that story about Jesus. Well, like they, they, they were all like gangsters and yeah. and like yeah. p- politicians and stuff like that, which is not explicitly what this movie is. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. a, it's like a, 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 just an element of the palette. You know, totally. Just one color of the palette. I think that also <laughs> part of it was that they didn't have um. They they didn't like put on accents at all. Like they had like yeah. New York ass accents yes. when they were talking, which I loved it. Like he, he I mean, it, part so part of me when I was watching this like wanted it to be like a different aesthetic. Like I wanted it to be the story that that it was, but just be in a different time or a different place because I I did sort of feel like the the setting it didn't need to be literal because so much else was not literal in the movie, you know? Um, Mm. But, but I I mean, that's not a, I didn't dislike the setting, but I was just like, Oh man, like they, they really could have gone anywhere with this because uh, this, this is not based on the gospel. Like this is like an exploration of, of the difficulties of like having a calling, but, but having other temptations, right? That's what the movie's about. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into that, and um, I overall, I mean, I overall like kind of the setting and everything, um, but I can see, like, there, I don't know, we'll have to, there's a lot of different details that I want to bring up that kind of um, support your feeling, but for me, like, it kind of worked for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, okay. Let's see. One thing you mentioned. So how about the, I was thinking about the different performances that are going on here. Uh, Barbara Hershey played Mary Magdalene. Uh, I think she got nominated for like a golden globe. Um, people really like Willem Dafoe in this, for example, but I, I, I don't, I don't think he's like got that, but then punch or sorry, Judas played by Harvey Keitel. That's the one where I think that that accent thing you're talking about really stands out. And I actually did see that he got nominated for worst supporting actor what? at the Golden Raspberry Awards, which that that's a foul institution anyway, but yeah. I wanted to bring it up because um I don't know. I actually <laughs> I, I I he definitely, you know, it didn't feel like he was doing a trying to do a period piece accent, but I thought his performance was just so amazing and like um, I thought because I made those sort of connections to these other types of characters that it, it, in it helped inform that aspect of the movie that I was talking about, where mm-hmm. like, you can look back at history and be like, instead of being sometimes this grand story, which is an element in this movie that it is this larger than life story, there is like this very real element to it. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I felt like his performance gets that across so well. Because they, I find him very, um, I found him, like, somewhat relatable while still being, like, I don't know, it's a weird thing. This movie toes the line of, like, having certain elements that are relatable and then some that are, like, this is completely insane. Like, I can't fathom, you know, living in this time and, like, the psyche of a person at this time, you know? Which I think... I don't know, that's just an element to history, I guess. <laughs> it's like looking back and being like, these are the same people. <laughs> yeah. I think that there was... Um, I I don't know if if it was how purposeful it was, but they... The character of Jesus like oscillated between being like totally insane and being really uh, human and... Um, confused and kind of normal mm-hmm. you know and he was like really insufferable at some points in like just sort of an annoying way <laughs> and then he was really like yes. endearing and relatable um, and kind and brave you know th- like the spectrum of this character was so was so broad um, and I, I think that like I don't know I, I think that they were they're trying to lean into like all of the different aspects of of humanity and also like what it means to like be a religious zealot and how like totally batshit crazy that is that you can just go from like from talking about love to talking about war to talking about blood you know there's it it just like really runs it like really runs the gamut and I think that I I just it was just so it was so fun to watch and I think that Judas gets a bad rap. Yeah, um, yeah. And in this movie, he really, like, he does the right thing. He's, like, kind of the hero mm-hmm. of the movie, yeah. you know? He's just doing um, what he's asked, you know? Yeah. Um, I I don't know if we need to talk about the plot. It's the story of Jesus. Up to a point. <laughs> he goes off the rails when he's on the cross. And um, then the story, like, shifts to, like, an angel comes down and is like, you did a great job. Like, you don't need to sacrifice yourself. Because he really didn't want to die. He didn't want to die on the cross. He just didn't want to. He 
Um, which I thought was a, like another like really beautiful part of this movie is like, oh wow, like Jesus really didn't like want to. This was not fun for Jesus. Um, and so anyway, the angel comes down and he kind of is like this alternate timeline where like he he is transported off of the cross and then like has this whole life. He has a like a passionate romance with uh, Mary Magdalene and then he ends up she ends up like dying and then he's with these two other women and he has a family and he's old and um he i'm you know paraphrasing here but like at the end of his life um judas and the other disciples are like like you fucked up like that angel was actually satan and you were you know you were tricked right you were supposed to be the savior and then you you took the easy way out and um and then he does this like beautiful monologue, well, a, a couple lines oh, yeah. where he's like, "I sh- like, please, like, take me back to being on the cross. Like, I want to do it over again." And then it, the movie like cuts to him like being back on the cross, and you just like see that he then he then he actually dies on the cross. Um, and the last I loved temptation. it. <laughs> that was the last temptation. The last temptation was to just like get the fuck out of there. And I thought it was I. I was like very impressed by it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, he did. He did the job in the end. You know, I was I was totally surprised. Like I like by that that very last element, but then it all like fit together so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The um that aspect too that made me think of um is written by Paul Schrader, and you know he. Like, he's known through a lot of movies, like uh, Taxi Driver, and then more recently with um, First Reformed and The Card Counter of, like, this movie reminded me of the characters that he wrote in those where, you know, there's sort of these, uh, there's an aspect of Jesus where he's, like, this alienated guy who is having, like, a complete uh, crisis, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um existential crisis right and uh i saw this i was looking at this on uh some article or something referred to this concept as like god's lonely man Mm. and um and even in this like i remember in in those movies they have this element where it's almost like journalistic like in Mm. in card counter first reform they have the characters like like journaling and narrating you know it's kind of a cool element and that's happening in this movie with jesus's narration so i was like damn like they're making like it's it's weird there's like part of him that has yeah he has sort of this like it's almost like ugly like really ugly aspect to him that he himself is trying to reckon with Mm -hmm. and in those in like um this happens in like first reformed and card counter uh, where I think of like the ending of both of those, like the characters almost find like salvation through love, you know, and like loving mm. someone. <laughs> and it's kind it's actually kind of nice. And I was like, so I was like, when this started to change, I was like, oh man, like, is this like those movies? Is this going to be like about like an, <laughs> an ending for Jesus where like he gets to be happy? Because then he's even giving his speeches to Harry Dean Stanton about how, you know, like, yeah, it's all hogwash. I got my family. I'm happy. And then mm-hmm. and I was thinking, like, because I know there was like there was sort of um 
there was a lot of outrage and backlash to this movie. I was thinking, okay, I can see where this comes from. Uh, just like in terms of it having a completely different message. But then in the end, when it it's about him actually rejecting those things and sticking to like his his mission, essentially, mm-hmm. and like overcoming that quote unquote struggle, I'm like, actually, like, I feel like if you're religious, like the, the people who made this movie, like it, it, it almost is like, it's still like, it doesn't deny the, uh, <laughs> the, the reality of like Jesus's power, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And his mission. Absolutely. Uh, it, it just deals with like that struggle. So I'm like, this is actually is uh, to me uh, an extremely religious movie still. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, people get, I think worked up over very specific dogmatic things or whatever, you know. Right, like they didn't like that they like showed Jesus like having sex, or (laughs) yeah, Jesus doesn't fuck. (laughs) Yeah, like Jesus couldn't possibly. He would never. He would never lie with a woman. (laughs) Um, But like it just is like that. It really is so. um, I don't know. It's like it's was such a human like human but also very like superhuman and like magical portrayal of of Jesus but it was just it just wasn't the conventional portrayal and they say that at the beginning like the movie starts with a uh with like a card or whatever that's like this movie is not based on the gospel like that's right. it's not based on the gospel so just like don't don't think that but it but what's crazy is just like what you just said like it actually pretty closely follows the gospels you know it just was it's an interpretation of like what it might have been like to to be faced with the mission that he was faced with you know yes um which i I just thought was cool yeah like to be fair like even amongst the 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 gospels or whatever like there isn't a specific for example like specific way that like judas is portrayed Mm -hmm. right like i don't i don't think there's um i don't think there's a story where like he is explicitly told by Jesus to betray him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, like in this, it's like, Hey, it's all part of the plan. Um, and you know, I guess that's not what people were like protesting <laughs> for or whatever, but I, that's just an element mm-hmm. where I like for my example, where it's like, yeah, like, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like a hundred percent. Like you have to interpret it a certain way you know what i mean and i think like that's an element in this movie where i think of when i'm watching this one thing i like is you know i like the care i like relating to the characters and stuff i like how it's com- also completely foreign but another element when i watch movies like this is um or stories like this uh about these things is trying like is like thinking of what you know what what is the meaning of this and like what where did it come from you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like there there there's all these things you know you have to grapple with about like about like history or religion or whatever being like an impartial collection of data mm-hmm. and and we you know we can't know, we can never know cuz we're never really there and so i think that's fascinating whether you're religious or not to try to imagine like how did point a get to point b and what were people thinking and feeling at the time you know what i mean like i don't think 
that's heretical. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, and it, and it's also so um, we're so far removed on timeline of humanity from this, and like there, there was obviously like pretty good record keeping of the time, and you know, but like there's, you know we struggle with what it was like a hundred years mm-hmm. ago, you know, like let alone like thousands and thousands of years ago. And so it, it's, this, it's almost like it could just have been on another planet or, or a fa- total fantasy world or like someplace in the future, you know, like it's, it's a much, it's as much a part of our like cultural imagination as it is history. Um, because the stories that, that we make about, about what happened at the time are based on accounts, but like, so much of it just it, it can never be it can't it just can't be known right like there there's no that's just mm-hmm. like part of part of what being a historian is is like you're just solving you're just triangulating right between these dis- disparate points of data and subjective accounts and what you know about uh you know things even just like the weather and the you know what what things were like just, uh in the world at the time you know what foods were there blah blah you know so if you're trying to make it realistic, um, you know, there's certain, there's only so much you can do because the rest of it, like culturally, we just don't really know what people's like day to day was like, because people didn't have the kinds of record. I think that even now, right. Like people look, would look back on all of the internet and like all of the, all of the data that we produce now, that's so much more um, c- comprehensive and subjective with videos of ourselves and podcasts and everything. And yeah, I think yeah. that they still would like get it wrong. There's, there's just no way to know what it was like at the time. <laughs> um, and that was part of why what I mentioned is like, I think that this story could have taken place at any, at any time, not only because of the historical a- aspect, but also mm-hmm. because it's about magic. <laughs> like it's about belief and magic it's not supposed to be literal it's 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 different than the passion of the christ which i looked this up because and then i was like oh my god i I have seen passion of the christ like back when it a long time ago but that movie is like supposed to be a literal like retelling of the last 12 hours Mm -hmm. of jesus's life like that's what it is it's supposed to be like super literal whereas this is it's it's supposed to be magical and subjective and and ambiguous i think too i don't i don't it's never out outwardly stated i guess but that's for me that's what the the historical setting works was because each almost each scene each retelling of a thing from the gospel like it portrays i think elements of it like like i said faithfully and religiously but i think the ambiguity of the movie often allows me to imagine this set this moment of what's happening whether it's like the sermon on the mound or Mm -hmm. like him healing people and think like okay like what you know like being someone in that time like being someone one who was just like a regular person who's trying to deal with all this what that was like Mm -hmm. what was going on um, like in the minds of jesus and his followers you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. the the government at the time like i do i do often too like each one of those situations like i i find my my mind goes wandering and exploring of like what what really happened here what you know what really happened with like the resurrection of lazarus or whatever totally 
while the movie you know is okay with showing one thing i think it it invites all this speculation mainly because you know i guess it does outwardly spell it it outwardly spells it out in the end section where jesus runs back into harry dean stanton uh, saul (laughs) he runs into saul or whatever Mm -hmm. and and even though we saw we saw Saul earlier in the movie like kill Lazarus to like cover it up presumably, which that's another that felt like a mob thing, you know? What I yeah, mean? that was very like assassination. <laughs> <laughs> but then in at the end, he he's changed and he's become a preacher or whatever, and Jesus is telling him like it's this is not true. I'm him, and he's like it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, it really doesn't matter. And so I then that has me thinking about all these moments of like just that person's life and history and like what did they really experience what did they really believe so i don't know i like thinking about like these were this is a real person who existed Mm -hmm. um and i know things about him but i i will never know like his mind you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. and i i want also i think to i guess pause on that part of the movie where he's at the end and saul he's like I'm Jesus. I did not die on the cross. I was not resurrected. This didn't happen. You know, and this is the, you know, the, the, the last temptation where he's out, you know, he didn't take, he didn't die on the cross in this timeline or whatever. Um, and I think that when Saul was saying like, it doesn't matter. Like people need you regardless of whether you're real or not. That was when I was like, oh, okay. that That's what people would be protesting. Right. It's like that, this that they're making the claim in the movie or they're at least hinting Mm -hmm. at it that like it doesn't matter if it happened or not because the fact that people the the storytelling is much more powerful than the truth um Uh and i think think, that that would piss that would piss people off you know (laughs) yeah like they don't even want to think about that element they they don't want to question it which i i think like i said the movie does a good job of questioning it but then in the end you know what happened you know it's there, there's still magic and stuff like that yeah it <laughs> you know, still happens jesus, <laughs> jesus pulls out his own heart or whatever but again that makes me think of like it's cool how it's portrayed in the movie but it it does it sends my mind back to that time and what happened what really what happened there you know mm-hmm. what actually happened yeah um, I'm, it doesn't it doesn't specifically say that every scene you know that's why i think of like the less subtle movie just like tries to make it all gritty and realistic but i totally yeah anyway (laughs) yes and i also and listen i i thought that the uh that the new york accents they were cool not that they were uh intentional but i'm just like these like 80s ass like new york he's like you think it's a blessing to know what God wants? You all, know, all the all the Jews were Italian. No, <laughs> all the Italian Jews, like from like the Lower East Side, cast in this movie. I just loved it. Like I don't know. I thought that it like it it was constantly like playing between like showing itself to to not be real. Like in many ways, like it's magical. It's anachronistic uh it's fiction but also like there like i think that you are right that like having it set even you know obliquely in the in nazareth and in jerusalem and all that i think that um yeah it's like playing between like what actually happened and then just like knowing that the the magical storytelling element is like um timeless you know 
a- absolutely yeah this is um this is an like along the lines of like a classic epic biblical film in mm-hmm. in my eyes you know it stands alongside yeah. those older ones that came before it uh but it has yeah like a more I don't know. It has a more passionate heartbeat, I think, because it is it is like Absolutely. dealing with those. It's cool because like those those, you know, moral or like philosophical struggles that, um, you know, people have about all, all the things people reckon with, try to reckon with about Christianity or whatever are like certain th- things the characters themselves are struggling with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that. Mm-hmm. That is um, a really powerful element in the movie. Um, it's and and they, like I said, it's just done. There's all these little parts. There's a part with Saul. Um, there's a part where Jesus first starts trying to preach to people, and like some you know some people start like trying to kill other people, and so there's that element too of like how mm-hmm. how is are these supposed to be interpreted? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just the the fact of like people struggling too with the concept of like um how 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 can some think be half man, half god or whatever, you know, that's his whole that's it. You see that being his personal struggle the whole movie. I don't know. It mm-hmm. it's cool. It hits on and like I, everything. I also I also like that I I wrote, wrote this in my notes that I thought that it reminded me like it could have been a play like it was it felt um really intimate in this way that felt like it could have just been a stage play it reminded me a little bit not just in the religiosity mixed with magic but in the execution of midnight mass um okay which is you know super religious and weird in its own way um but it reminded me of it just because it's um both of them had like like I mean, there were obviously some special effects in this movie and stuff, but like nothing that couldn't have been on stage, you know, and like the act, there was like these really intimate portraits of actors, like having scenes with each other. Um, Yes. Oh, yeah. It just felt it felt like it was done in like a couple of takes, like all of them, you know, just was like, these are good actors, just like put them in the scene and go, you know, Um, and um yeah i thought i mean i thought it was great i was like this this should be a play like this would be per and especially also because like a lot of the special effects were like kind of um like i I almost said hokey but i mean that in like a really good way like there was nothing crazy like there was no explosions and i don't know there was just sort of like some weird fucking 80s ass special effects that I thought were like really really effective but they were they were nothing that couldn't have also been done on stage you know what I mean? oh yeah yeah well it's very okay well there's a budget element to this yeah you, yeah, there's, yeah yeah there's a budget element there's so many great details of all the things you're saying that I want to get into but it's like oh it's so hard there's so I feel like there's so much that I, the movie that is rattling yeah. around in my head um and yeah <laughs> I go so many places when when you you were saying these things. So like mm-hmm. maybe with the budget I can I can talk about that a little bit cuz you start with the budget. You were also <laughs> talking about um where it fits in like in um his filmography and so I think this was this was supposed to come out or like I think it was supposed to be come out in the early 80s actually. I think it was g- going to be made before he made some other films 
But uh, Mm -hmm. even like I get and it was going to be actually shot in Israel. The movie takes it's shot in Morocco. Right. Mm. And they were going to do it. They had all this stuff planned out. It was going to it was actually going to be this big, uh, expensive movie. And I guess, you know, it got out out of hand. And then there were not out of hand. What got out of hand was it got protested before it was even made (laughs) Um, Mm. after it was announced. And so wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they eventually just canceled it like a different studio was going to release the movie and and fund it and everything. And so it got canceled. And then he made the movie After Hours. Uh, But then I think uh, I can't remember if it was Universal or someone else, but another studio basically agreed to pick it back up. Uh, and he like agree like there's some like arrangement where it's like okay then you will make a more mainstream film for us which led mm. to Cape Fear so <laughs> it eventually got made but obviously it didn't I don't think it I don't remember the budget is like seven million so it was it wasn't this big massive thing yeah it's pretty small then even even for the time that was pretty small. So the detail I got was I think they went from Israel to Morocco. It sounds like maybe it was mm. more affordable. But uh, he Mar- Martin Scorsese said that uh, a lot of the scenes and like the settings were basically improvised. And there was like a lot. He said little deliberation. So there is a very minimal aesthetic to the movie because they are just like, yeah, this, you know, they, they're not like scouting for a bunch of s- scenery and stuff like that. They're like, boom, we got to get in and go. And I, I kind of that does lend itself to what you're saying about like sort of the uh, stage like element mm-hmm. to it. It is very much like we're putting these actors in these settings. Uh, I don't know if when they say they improvise, they mean like the script or what. But it, it does it does have that like it does. Even though it is, I think it's like an epic movie, like it, the actual like performances and like settings and everything feel, they, they feel a little bit more intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel like there's a, um, there's something that's like really like kind of r- r- rough about the movie that feels like even, I remember there was some, there's, there's in the, the few scenes that had like, uh, well, not few, there's, there's a couple that have like, um, like a, like a crowd scene or like a fight scene or like they're t- going to stone somebody or they're like all laughing at Jesus. Like it feels kind of like they're like, all right, he, like they gave them like a, a little bit of direction and they're like, just go. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't feel choreographed. I mean, there are certain parts that that did. Like I think that the scene of like all the uh, visitors to the to Mary Magdalene, who's a prostitute, that felt like very choreographed in a way that was um, a little bit that felt um careful that I thought was nice that they weren't it it felt like they were like all right this like these scenes need to be we need to be careful with with how we treat her Mm -hmm. in these scenes like um and not not like the actor but like the the whole character like it it's a very like slow moving scene where you like see lots of people like having sex with her but but it's it doesn't have the same kind of a uh, frenetic energy that the re- <laughs> the rest of right. these movies, the rest of the scenes do, you know? That's true. Yeah. I think cuz I think they're trying to portray these cuz these are intense things that can be portrayed more scandalously or whatever. But I think they were trying to give it 
like just a sense of historical honesty there where it's like like this mm-hmm. is just a matter of fact like a thing that happened um you know and i felt like that was another thing where i'm like just imagining this time and trying to put myself in this mind mindset you know of like what experiencing mm-hmm. this type of thing is like and not just like sensationalized you know for a movie's sake you know what i mean right right it felt like there was like a the way that they like treated that whole aspect of Mary Magdalene, I thought was just like there was an element of historical honesty and also an element of compassion um, where they even when she was like going to get like stoned, they weren't like, fuck you, whore. They were like, you you can't work on the Sabbath. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bad enough that you are a prostitute, Ooh. but then you work on the Sabbath and then um, are sleeping with Romans. Yes. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> Um, and I thought that that was like, you know, they, they could have not, they could have taken it. They, they did not have to like give her that kind of treatment in the movie. They could have been much more flippant, you know, about her as a character. And she was like so critically important to like the whole movie and was also like a prostitute. And they didn't like shy away from like the reality of what that was for her. And I thought, I thought that was cool. It was cool. And okay. That scene you mentioned too, like that again, sparked like two more topics in my mind like they're so (laughs) um first of all just a minor tidbit uh the guy who like really wants the stoner that jesus has to you know own or whatever uh (laughs) is played by irving kirshner who uh directed a bunch of movies and including uh empire strikes back and oh my god okay wait can i let me just say let me interrupt and say that i as soon as i saw that guy i was like gooey's gonna know so much about this fucking guy i was like this is one of gooey's guys he's gonna gonna know well he's not a character well he is he's actually in um he's in uh on deadly ground which is a movie by steven seagal and he also is like what the fuck is he doing here but anyway uh he's He's not like a character actor for me that I point out though. He's just a director. <laughs> He's a different mm-hmm. type of guy. I mean, but I knew you would know. I knew you'd know him. <laughs> well, because I have okay, I have a I have a great fond memory of being a kid, uh, or younger actually. Mm-hmm. I was I was a young adult and staying at a friend's house and putting on uh, a DVD to fall asleep to in his basement and it was the empire strikes back with commentary and i didn't know really actually what irving kirschner sounded like i didn't really know much about him uh because i I hadn't really yeah i hadn't really seen a lot of his movies at the time other than Mm -hmm. this star wars movie obviously and he comes on and he's like and it's just so funny listening to how he described certain scenes like the beginning they're on the base and you know shit's it's all you know industrial or whatever and and he was like i told him here more sparks <laughs> there needs to be more <laughs> and it's just so funny like i'm like yeah making a movie is just like that sometimes you know but anyway he wait did you recognize this guy based on how he looks in the movie or did you have to like look this guy up it's it was his voice and i recognized his voice and i was like what the fuck and i looked it up and i was like i, I was like there's no way and i looked it up and i was like oh that that's okay Weird. Oh my god! Okay, wait, wait, wait. We have to stop for one second because I had the exact same thing happen to me. I was like crocheting at the same time because I'm 85 years old, and I was like, you know, I was watching the movie, but I had like looked down for 
whatever. And then the scene changed and I just heard David Bowie's voice and I looked up and I was like, is that David Bowie? And I was like, that is definitely uh, Jareth from Labyrinth. I know that voice. <laughs> that's my my first crush in the whole world was David Bowie in Labyrinth. Oh, and yeah. I was like, that's absolutely him. <laughs> and I looked it up and I was like, show enough. <laughs> I was just like, damn, it's David Bowie. Like right away. I was like, fuck, that's David Bowie. Like, <laughs> I didn't recognize his face. I was like, that doesn't even look like him. He's got that weird haircut. I was like, what? I, well, I have a third tangent then really. Well, okay. The uh, just one final thought I have on Irving here was just that I, th- it's to the accent thing because I thought he was very funny. He was just like, "What? I want a, I want a stoner," you know. Like he's just so like mm-hmm. he was just a dude, you know. <laughs> he was. <laughs> um. So on the David Bowie thing, I didn't know. Th- so in the original, uh, version of this that he was working on, the there was a, a rock star cast as well. Um, Pontius Pilate was, I guess, going to be played by Sting. Um, Whoa. Whoa. Wait, that, wait, so they went from Sting to David Bowie? Yeah, upgrade, I think. Oh, absolutely an upgrade, but also, like, what? Sting is in movies. Well, Judas, Judas was going to be played by Ray Davies of the Kinks, and then, um, Mary was going to be played by Vanity, who I, I had to go down a whole other rabbit hole. Uh, I didn't actually know who this was, but she was like a... She's another person I did not know, but like another ar- artist, you know? So it was like it was like a rock rock and roll <laughs> cast here. Is this like a nod to... Um, what's the Jesus musical? Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar? I don't know. I-, I mean, it just seems like really odd. I mean, I'm, I love it, but like given that this is the movie that we got, it just feels like it's kind of weird. I mean, it felt really out of place to have David Bowie in here as Pontius Pilate. Yeah. yeah I th- I felt like he was, it was appropriate in this. I mean, he, he was awesome. And I was really was sad awesome. that he was only on screen for like three minutes max. Yeah. So it was, I don't know. It was going to be a rock and roll movie. Um, But so in that stoning scene and in the, like there's, well, a lot of scenes that, that cover this, but, um, it also made me think of you were talking about sort of just like these specific things like, Oh, the, the Sabbath and all this stuff. And, and um, I think there's like, I think for some people they probably struggle to, or they just think of like um, you think of like any time before, like the scientific like enlightenment or whatever. And you just look back and you think like, Oh, these people were just like, dumb as dog shit for believing mm-hmm. these sort of things but like um there's I, like at that at the time it's like there's it there's so many aspects of the world that are like hard to conceptualize and then you think of how many of these things are sort of just like foundational to society yes it's like yes. yeah you just like it would just be common and there's this element i think of how judas in the movie he was originally uh sent to kill just to kill jesus um and he becomes like the leader of this political rebellion and inextricably tied to that is this faith element and they and they and there's plenty of scenes where they discuss that where like there there is like should this be about like my my personal political feeling or do we like are the politics of this more important and mm-hmm. like yeah you, it just makes you gets me to a point where you think of like those two things are like interconnected and i think we have a uh we have a habit of just looking back and being like these people are 
squabbling over stupid shit, which in many times that's been true. But in here, it's like these people, like the, you know, their their belief or whatever is like inextricably tied with their rebellion against like this occupying force. You know what I mean? Totally. Yes. And they did a really good job of making of like of of adding that kind of like political drama or like that political element like right away like okay i don't know if this is true or true right i don't know if this is in the gospel but in the movie jesus was making crosses is this true is this in the gospel i don't know jesus was making crosses for other jewish rebels to be crucified on and I was like, this is fucking crazy that they were, that Jesus, and the reason he was doing it was because he was like, I, he was trying to, like, basically, um, he was trying to, to offend God. He was trying to, like, sin or whatever so that he would no longer, like, be the chosen one. He's, like, trying to do unforgivable acts. And that's pretty fucking unforgivable to, like, be the person who's making the crosses that other Jewish rebels are dying on, you know? Um and I thought I like meet that was that's like the first scene of the movie, and I was like, whoa, okay, this this is not not this is not your grandma's Jesus, okay? We're we're <laughs> like getting deeper here. Gritty Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, I think that isn't historically talked about. Um, I try I tried to Google it because I was like I I felt stupid like do what what do I know? Uh, and the first thing that came up was a Wikipedia page for the song Jesus Was a Crossmaker. Which is uh, based upon the 1955 Nico Ken Zatkis novel, The Last Temptation of Christ, which is what this movie is based on. So yeah, okay, yeah. so so this is just like a this is, but I mean that's an awesome like storytelling element. Like I want to read this book now. Like this seems like he, like this Nico or Nikas this Nikos. author had some had some like ideas about like how to zhuzh up this story a little bit and yeah. like, make it a little more uh interesting because that's like i mean that's just like such a, a cool plot element i was like damn did i like i know this is not based on the gospel but like obviously there are some parts of this that are true or you know that are the same so i, I thought maybe yeah. i just like no missed I, that. I, exact same <laughs> <clears throat> exact same opinion like or like feeling where i was like i don't know um maybe yeah so we're not we're not dumb we're not dumb no we're not dumb <laughs> well we, we it, jesus was not a cross maker as it turns out it's it's a thing to where it's it's not just it's i made a joke like gritty jesus but it actually like it it makes me think of like like judas's story is very powerful there right there in the beginning then because he is sent to do you know what could like that could be considered heroic and um, uh. just one more thing on the on the book. Um, uh, Scorsese was actually gif- gifted the book uh, bo- from Barbara Hershey on the set of Boxcar Bertha. And oh, I get the thing I read was, was uh, she was Mary Magdalene, right? Yeah, I think he had yeah. wanted I, I read he had wanted to, you know, make a Jesus movie for a while. Mm. And she gave him the book and he was like, hell yeah, let's go with this. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I, re- I want I want to read it now because it sounds like like there was a there was a book when I was growing up that my uh, my mom and grandma were reading and it was called I think it was called Lamb and it was about it was like kind of a, a cute like it, it was like an, another like kind of interpretation of Jesus's life but in like kind of a nicer a less 
difficult difficult way right this was like oh he was probably like kind of a nice guy or whatever but i do <laughs> yeah, think that yeah. like christian because my family was not christian um and we like never went to church but it was just like a book that my that my grandma liked you know um and so i think that but it, it's possible that people got mad about that too because like any sort of like non literal interpretation of biblical texts can can like really set people off i guess I hate to say it, but I feel like we got to talk a little bit more about Jesus <laughs> um, and Willem Dafoe, you know, and like b- both those elements, both the character and, and the actor here. I thought he was awesome. You kind of mentioned that he portrays him in like so many different scenes show him in all these different sort of lights, right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. he seems like pathetic <laughs> and you're like, man, yeah. come on, dude. And other times it's like, you feel sympathy and like I, I think even like related to or like felt for him felt empathy for him other mm-hmm. scenes where I you know like just the element of like the political struggle he's having too versus the um religious where like he, like he's struggling with like what's my message should mm-hmm. my what should my aim be you know so I I think I don't know, both in the character and the performance, like, he's such a, it's a awesome character. It's aw- it's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, like, there were, like, at various points, I, he's totally insufferable. Like, when he was like, when I look at an ant's eye, I see the face of God. I was like, oh, please. Like, I'm sure you do. Oh, that was one where I was like, damn, dude. I felt more like, in the beginning, he seemed, like, pathetic when he was going to Mary and being like a sourpuss, you know. Oh, he definitely was a sourpuss when he went. And to she's Mary. just like, "Come on, dude! Like, just be normal." Yeah, she's like, "Dude, like, she, it's clear that she like does forgive him for whatever he did, which is sort of unclear to me. Whatever he, but it, he's asking her for forgiveness for something, which we, yeah, we don't know, which is really interesting. Yeah, we don't I really think, know but... what it was, and she's just like, "Dude, like, get, like, get out of here." But she, but it is clear that she, you know, does forgive him. Because then she's also like, come on, just stay, like, just stay. Yeah, she's like, you could like, just, like, fi- stay. It's fine to just stay. And he's, like, you know, he's too um, balled up with whatever this anxiety that mm-hmm. he has about this existential crisis that he's, like, you know, no pussy. No pussy getting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely I not. I can't do I, that. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, uh, 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 unrelated, but made me think of lots of... Boys kissing boys on the mouth in this movie happened three mm-hmm. three plus yeah, times, which is lots of beautiful. just like like I love that. I was like, oh my god, how how just how I don't know I don't know how refreshing. Like when like John the Baptist or oh, whatever, there was some moving moment between two people, and he was like, I really yeah, John the Baptist. I really one, trust yeah. you as a as a person. I trust you spiritually, and they would just like. Give him a big smooch that lasted, you know, five seconds on the mouth. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> they probably did. People in 1988 who were protesting this movie probably also did not like that either. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Okay. I thought it was uh, sweet. You know, I thought, thought it was, it was nice. I was like, thank you. It just <clears throat> didn't need to be in there, but it was. Um, um, but yeah, I think that he- like, like Jesus also like, I really didn't know like where this movie was going to go because I was like, okay, it's not based on the 
gospel. I know I've said this a hundred times, but I was really like, not that I know the gospel that well, but I was like, oh shit, like, where is this gonna, where is this gonna take us? Um, and so when Jesus started like getting really, um, like fervent and he like, you know, took out his own heart and was like, follow me, like blood needs to be let. And, you know, he was, and he, then he went crazy and he was, um, like destroying all of the the money lender stalls in town he's like throwing people's money all over the place and being crazy i was like oh my god like where where is this gonna go right yeah he um i have this feeling where it's like it's that again that thing of like if he he was both a man and the son of god but if he was if he was a man right like he felt he probably felt and thought similar ways uh, that uh, I feel or anyone else feels, right? Um, mm-hmm. So then that it always, it constantly, constantly, that's where the ambiguity comes from too. It constantly, to me, begs the question of like trying to imagine being him and like what, what, um, you know, like what was really happening in that time period in some in someone's mm-hmm. mind, you know, mm-hmm. and like grappling with those things. And I think of that in one they show they show him with like dealing with the uh, like he has these like epileptic seizures type of thing, you know. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it makes you think of like, oh, is that that's like playing into like you know we 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 have no other way of like understanding what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go like the scene where he's talking to John the Baptist, and then like when he goes out and he draws the circle in the desert. You know, it mm-hmm. makes me think of like if something like that were to happen. You know, what is actually happening? How is this being rationalized? You know, when he decides to be like, "Oh, I need to pick up your axe or whatever," and they need to become more fervent. Was that? Is that? Um. Was that actually a vision he saw or was this uh, or was because he subconsciously felt that this was necessary? Did he make it up or was is it cynical? I don't you know, I don't think it I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) But it just makes me think of think of like all these ways someone could interpret, you know, these things they're feeling and how real was this i guess mm-hmm. i don't know it it's just all those scenes make me think of that of like what you know when he when he decides to smash up the temple but then he has this vision of uh his hands bleeding you know what what was he really feeling um what drove like it seems like he maybe have had uh a, a death wish <laughs> that he was maybe ha- um mm-hmm. going through i don't know you know uh, yeah. Sorry, it's just such a broad. I'm like talking about every scene in the movie, but it's like I constantly was also trying to imagine the the mind of of Jesus in those yeah. moments. Yeah, it was, and like he was, uh, he was portrayed as um really fearful um, at times too, which I thought was not. Qu- I mean, it, I I feel like that's not the you know of course this is not how jesus is normally portrayed anyway but like this idea of him like really being like afraid you know of mm-hmm. what's of what's happening to him um 
Like, is he going crazy? Like, is he, he's like, am, like, am I, am I crazy? Like, is this what's happening? Um, Mm -hmm. Even though he is pretty clear that he like has had, you know, spiritual visions and that God has a plan for him and all this shit. But he does feel like he's like, oh my God, like he's, he's, he's like a reluctant prophet. And, but he says like, you know, all you'll find is fear inside of me. Like I'm, I'm afraid. And like, I really felt, I really felt like that at the, at the end when he, well, not the, when he's being crucified and you're like seeing him like go, like I, I've I've seen you know the imagery of Jesus on the cross like for my entire life we all have you know but like there was something that really felt like really scary about this I was like oh my god like him being like oh fuck like I'm gonna die this way like this is this is how I I die and he's like up on the cross and he like sees other people who are like also on the cross it's like it's like so gruesome in this way and you see like the panic and like fear in his in his face and that's you know when the movie like turns and it's the the very last part of the movie where he takes the he he like he takes the easy way out and like you know because he wants to get off he doesn't want to have to deal with this you know and I I felt like it was just like you don't see that kind of interpretation where Jesus is like not resolute in his in his mission and um you know he he I think is supposed to be a little bit soft but he's seen as being resolute brave martyr higher calling understands what he's doing and you know seeing somebody like being crucified and is like really scared of it is like is like pretty effective you know yes oh yeah in even in that moment in that final well i want to say moment but it was like actually a large section of the movie the the whole when in his head head of crucifixion i was thinking like even that moment i'm feeling like this can both be like felt as like this is uh the final thing he's experiencing is very literal or it can be like that's it's the most ambiguous part where i find like is this just all within jesus own head like rationalizing Mm -hmm. everything he's done and because in that part of the movie in miniature they they tackle all the different themes of the movie with his uh the his personal feelings about mary and and stuff like that and affection or whatever you know uh but also confronting all of his uh uh people all his prophets or you know at least the ones that come to his death and also the scene where he's talking with Saul, like where, like they're all having these same arguments that he's been having with himself or people have been having with him, like throughout the whole movie in miniature. And, and at the very end, it's about him finally, like actually denying those things and being like, okay, mm-hmm. I've accepted my fate, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so like, that's just, what's cool about that too, is it could be that scene, like the rest of the movie can be viewed as like, is this literal or what's going on here? Mhm. Yeah, and like seeing a Jesus that was um like he, when he finally comes around, like not comes around, but when he finally like I don't know, he realizes like this is what I 
this is what I want. Like, this is what I should have done. This is what would have been better. As opposed to, um, like, I know this is for the greater good. And, it, like, I don't know. It, like, there's this martyrdom about Jesus that you, of course, you know, that's part of the story. It's like he martyred himself. But, or sacrificed himself or whatever. And by the end of this movie, it's no longer a sacrifice. It's like what he wants. It's what he wants to do. So it's it's like a different... I don't know. It, again, even that is like a different interpretation of, <laughs> of like the Jesus that we yeah, that, that like kind that like kind of turns the whole, the whole uh, mechanism of Jesus as our savior, on its head, right? Because if Jesus didn't, if Jesus by the end of it is like, yes, like this is what I need to do. This is what I this is what I want. Then like, is that, <laughs> is he even sacrificing himself? You know. So I don't know. There's there's so yeah. much to Damn. unpack in this movie. Well, that that could lead into we could talk more about um, the outrage. But before we get mm. there, I just want to touch upon the music. Oh fuck yeah, the music whipped ass. It was so good. <laughs> Especially I like right when the credits were hitting, and I love I love the just the credits in general look cool. But the the opening credits or the ending the, credits at the end, both, both really. But the end, yeah. it comes up and. Uh, and then yeah, I see. I didn't realize this, but it all like came together, you know, watching it when it said like music s- soundtrack by Peter Gabriel. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> and he actually um, he got uh, just nominated for a Golden Globe for best original score, but he eventually put the soundtrack on an album. It like it released an album called Passion, and it won a Grammy for best mm. new age album. Sick. And, uh, okay, I actually started. Li- so I did know that it was by Peter Gabriel. Yeah. I noticed it in the in the movie, and I. So then I was like, "What? What's up with Peter Gabriel?" Like, obviously, I know who he is, but I was mm-hmm. like looking at him on Spotify, so and I, I saw I saw the album, and I was I was listening to it this morning, and I was like, "Damn, this is like, I I can I can now see why this would, why this would win awards because it's awesome. It's not just like a soundtrack to a movie. It's like it's its own piece of art, you know." Multiple sources, because I don't, I don't know this very well, but multiple sources I saw said it, it was like a pop, it helped popularize world music as a concept mm. or as a, as a, and I never really thought about just where that, what, you know, that, I always thought that was a strange, broad mm. term, but, uh, but, uh, he, he also did a, um, another album, I think a second passion album. Uh, I don't know, like, hmm. if that was other... Oh, yeah, it had... so there was um, different material on there by music that inspired him hmm. uh, while composing the soundtrack. So he got people from all over. So I saw someone from, like, Pakistan, cool. Egypt, Armenia. So he got all these different artists from around the world to do music, too. And I, I think that's, that's cool. awesome that this spawned, yeah, that like, rocks. They have multiple so cool. albums <laughs> based on this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah the music is so good and it like it it added to this like magical anachronism of the movie like it felt super like the the music was like 80s but not like not like right not yeah like synth but it was like it was fucking 80s ass music and it was like really it was like house music in a way you know but it fit the time it was, just, it, was oh, it was so weird. cool yeah it it what like the acting thing with the acting where it it like sets it in a time, but also out of time in a way. Not mm-hmm. like, uh, not like Romeo plus Juliet 
type of way, (laughs) but it's a little more subtle, I think. (laughs) Definitely more subtle than that. Yeah. (laughs) It's just much less stylized. Like it's, it's, it is stylized, but it's not, it's not a Baz Luhrmann or Tarantino situation. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's just stylized in that it's like, uh, honest and that it's kind of like using elements that, that, that they think go together and work but they're not like trying to go for specific style you know and i think the music fits like fits that that kind of ethos and that idea of like bringing in influences from musicians from different parts of the world and i guess some of the ones i said there too are like even uh they're from all over but those ones in particular are closer to that region too um Mm -hmm. and so it's cool to because like this has such a like um you know, worldwide concept at this point, you know what I mean? It's, it's very mm-hmm. universal in, in a lot of ways. So it's, I don't know, it's cool to incorporate all that different inspiration. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, the music was, the music was awesome. And like, I also, um, that this reminds me that like at the very end, at the very, 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 very end, right before rolling credits, I mean, you have to see this to understand what I'm saying, but like you see him, you know, die like on the cross and he is like it is accomplished and it's like really weird and then this like crazy sound starts happening and then oh god yeah the like camera kind of like flickers like in in and out and like it has this like weird psychedelic like accidental color play happening on the it like looks like an it looks like the camera just like breaks um and then it kind of like rushes you into like this other this like colorful couple of seconds and then into the credits and it is like really freaky it is like scary like I had a feeling of like uh I don't really like sitting here alone with the lights off with this like insane thing happening (laughs) (laughs) at like one in the morning I was like uh Uh, like how how is the ending to this movie like scary you know but well because um, yeah it, it, it it encompasses cool. <laughs> it then makes you think of just like the 2000 years of history and like what is accomplished what happened mm-hmm. is this good a good or bad thing no idea totally. what does it mean yeah, yeah. oh it's awesome <laughs> but yeah it outraged people as we've said but i right. um i want I, there's a couple of things that i want to more specifically mentioned um so we got, you know, the, your usual, your run-of-the-mill death threats and stuff like that. Um, but there were also protests. And I think I sent you some of the photos from, from mm-hmm. them. But people protested. So... Sorry, like, go ahead. Okay, yes. No, no, you, you go. I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm, go, I'm going <clears> off <throat> on some shit about this, about the time period, about it being in 1988, which was, like, in the middle of also, like, the satanic panic. Uh, like, this was, like, this is, like, me in the middle of, like, the quote-unquote like moral majority and like you know reagan i mean this is like prime time for this to be to be protested (laughs) a hundred yes and there was so it was protested like people i think the ones i pictures i sent you were like outside of um movie movie theaters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sorry just started uh thundering here so i'm Whoa! I'm getting kind of scary. I think I think that's maybe <laughs> maybe Jesus has something to tell uh, you. <laughs> yeah, dang, it's pretty brutal too. It's like still okay. Well, sorry if you can hear rain and thorns. Hopefully, it doesn't <laughs> shut off the podcast and we lose everything. But that'd be pretty crazy. That'd be like how the movie ended. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, 
so people protested like screenings but also there were groups that like picketed uh like the studios and stuff like that um i guess they they there was one i read where they uh put an exec they dressed up like an executive uh but they they had like uh they had him driving nails through jesus's hands to a cross Whoa. Oh um, my god! Oh, one one uh evangel uh evangelist wanted to he offered to buy the films negative so he could destroy them uh jesus. which who, who was gonna um let's see yeah so then a lot of there were even like theater chains that didn't even show it which i think um hmm. they've some eventually apologized i read but yeah so it that was that scared a lot of people but then even more so uh it was banned in some countries and then at, yes and there's there's a whole there's a whole page for this you can go read about it but uh there was uh saint michael cinema in uh paris uh during a screening uh there was a, a terrorist attack where oh a uh, a Catholic uh, integrist group uh, set fire to the cinema while it was showing, and it I guess uh, it injured thirteen people. Four people were severely burned by this, and the cinema Fuck. itself was damaged, and it didn't open until years later. Um, yeah. So, and I guess, you know, the Archbishop of Paris or whatever condemned the attack, but fuck, it's crazy. That's wild. I didn't, I thought this, I mean, it makes sense. I, I didn't have a very global, uh, uh, outlook on this particular film in terms of its reception. I, I assumed that it was like, you know, like I mentioned, like the particularly American strain of like, um, moral majority, um, the backlash from the 1960s, like all all of that that was happening in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, um, you know, satanic panic, all this shit. But it's wild to know that it was like protested in, vehemently in other countries or banned in other countries. I, I really just don't, you know, I don't, I just don't see it as be like it. The movie is made in good faith. Nope, no pun intended. But like it's made it's made in good faith. The movie is not like fuck Jesus, you know? No, no, it, it, exactly. Um, but you know, it doesn't, it's just not, uh, it's not, if it's not fawning over it, you know, just completely down the middle, uh, faithful, then I guess that's probably what they're so offended about. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's a, I guess there's a lot to be offended about, but it's just is, it's beautiful. It's like such a beautiful, thoughtful movie that's made in good faith. So it's really crazy to me that it was, uh, that it was protested so aggressively. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a different. I mean, it was. It's not that long ago, right? 1988 is not that long ago, but it is. If if this movie came out today, do you think it would be protested? I think I think so actually I think um I think there's just so much more uh outrage <laughs> type of shit that happens now you know like Yeah actually uh, that's true that's like true. I, I was I was thinking about like imagine if Tu Wong Fu was released today mm-hmm. <laughs> like at the time I'm sure there were people who were offended by it at the time but like it's <laughs> overall it it seems like <sighs> more like 
it was probably viewed as more fun at the time. Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. lighthearted. If someone tried to do it now, it, it would be, like, there would just, it, people would be freaking the fuck out, you know what I mean? You know, it's funny because they'd be freaking out for, like, the opposite reason, right? Like, at the time, like, with with a movie like Tu Wong, tu Wong Fu, which is kind of why I love it, like, people on one side are like, Fuck, fucking drag queens we can't have drag queens reading at our libraries or whatever and then uh, but now if that, if that exact same movie came out there'd be the other people who were like this this movie is like offensive because it's not you know doesn't have the representation of queer oh, stuff true. blah 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 so it's like there's really no winning with Wong Fu this movie isn't it isn't that it's some I mean it's doing something else it's doing something totally different obviously but I, I do think that you're right that there's like it's doing something um, radical in that it's reimagining, you know, the the greatest, the biggest religion on the planet or whatever. I yeah. don't know. Well, so I, I'm sure that people would still be fucking pissed, pissed about it. <laughs> I mean, the way, yeah, to what to what you said um, about it being the opposite, that can be said about a lot of movies. People say like, you know, X movie couldn't be made today but it's like well Mm. certain movies today couldn't be made that you know they're they're all products of their time so i guess there's that element to it but it is it is interesting to try and conceptualize you know the modern take on certain movies i guess we do see Mm -hmm. that all the time like movies will come up and be reevaluated, and all of a sudden there's new you know a new uh public opinion on them so Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's time I mean, for it's this funny one. I, 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 yeah, not this. This one's still banned. Um, I went and saw Drop Dead Gorgeous, which I'd never seen before, and um, that is the 1999 movie with like everyone at Kirsten Dunst, um, Brittany Murphy, um, I don't know, I, I, just a ton of people are in it. And that movie, I was like, <laughs> I was like actually like pretty uncomfortable in a lot of it because like there were these characters and elements that like there was one like like mentally handicapped like character that was like constantly being made fun of constantly the butt of every joke like it was like unrelenting that that character was like coming up and then they had this other thing about this like eight like super racist like asian family that just like all the jokes were just like racist and shit which is like listen i get i I understand <laughs> things being a product of their time. I get it, like, et cetera. There was, like, another character that was, like, an e- th- this one was, like, less offensive to me somehow, but it was, like, this girl who was, like, in- she was the previous pageant winner who was, like, in the hospital for anorexia, and this was, like, the whole joke was, like, about her eating disorder. And, like, but there was something about it that was, like, it was, um, I don't know, it was, like, so unrelenting that I was, like, I'm, like, a little bit uncomfortable here. Especially, right. I think, yeah. I think also because I was, like, seeing it in a theater full of people. You're, like, um, ooh. It, Yeah, and everyone, like, the first time that they said the R word, everyone was, like, oh, and then they just said it, like, a hundred more times in the movie. So then everyone was, like, well, I guess, you know, that's what, it's just, that's part of the movie, you know, and, like, no one was like, oh, I'm going to walk out. They're not like, offe- yeah. you know, and well, I wasn't like, like offended, but it was just, there's something that's like, oh, this is like, there are certain things that, you know, that, that age better than others, right? I think that The Last yeah. Temptation of Christ ages really, really, really well. Maybe Drop Dead Gorgeous doesn't age as well. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, it is, I mean, it's funny to think of like, what is it being a product of its time versus when is it, um, like what, 
what can you appreciate and what are you just like a little a little uncomfortable yeah you know (laughs) yeah i mean everyone's gonna be different um i try you know i don't want to i never want to make someone feel bad for like being offended by something or whatever but i i usually typically try to say like when we we had a virtual theater movie night where we watched dirty work right and i do some of the jokes we're gonna be you know i love that movie (laughs) me too me too but i do like for some people you know it might there might be things that they are not comfortable with right so you know just give the disclaimer i'm like hey it's not it's not all gonna be good we're all we're all adults you know we're all adults so we can we can watch this and think about it or Mm -hmm. whatever but we're also adults in that if someone doesn't want to watch it, they can excuse, you know, they can not be involved. Yeah, yeah. You know, but No, totally. Yeah, we, there's the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can handle it. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like a I I feel like I've been watching more movies lately, you know, in no small part because of virtual theater and you know, watching these movies with you and I also have started going to like this this one movie theater um in my neighborhood more where they play old, you know, older movies like Drop Dead Gorgeous and they just have, they play just kind of interesting things and they're way cheaper than like the AMC. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. But anyway, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I've just been seeing, seeing more and more movies and there's really like, you know, there's really no safe space, you know, <laughs> like yeah, you, yeah. you have to like be, especially with like, if you're watching like the uh, a chronology of cinema of like from around the world and you know from different (coughs) time periods you just have to like accept that like you can critique them you know like when we when we watched um oh god what's the movie with the devil uh Uh, prince of darkness in the the goo yeah okay yeah yeah did you see they're putting up those around the cities or whatever oh my god yes they're putting (laughs) up goo around the city it's a whole thing the devil's but like in in that episode i was like i found this to be like um not it's like it's a difference between being offended by something and then being like it just didn't work for me and this is why yeah you know and i think that like having watched more movies and being more you know thoughtful about about historical context and about you know the the breadth of cinema or whatever you know it's it's i i feel like it's a lot more fun to watch movies for what they are and not for not trying to shoehorn them into the time period and the, you know, the ideologies that you have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I'm Especially certainly like, not like a cinephile, but I'm, I'm just, I'm learning to appreciate things in a, in a, in a, in a way that's more enjoyable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, one, la- one last thing on the outrage. This is just to, I don't know this. Everyone talked about this back when it happened, mm. but I don't know if you encountered this. So I just want to tell you about it to, Cash out some old uh, beef, or I don't know what you. This gets talked about too much, but it's died down mm-hmm. over the years. But it was back. You remember back when um, Martin Scorsese said that Marvel movies aren't cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you remember this? I I don't really. I mean, I kind yeah, of yeah. do. Okay. It sounds familiar, but I don't really. Tell me about it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to have this discussion, but I just want to make fun of this tweet from the time. Where James Gunn, <laughs> James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, now head of the DC movies or whatever, he's got a lot of skin in this game, right? He said, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese is one of my top five favorite living filmmakers. 
I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. Oh, no! What? <laughs> he's judging my films in the same way. And people oh, are like, what God. the fuck, dude? And he was like, I'm not talking about... I'm not actually comparing them. I'm just saying you shouldn't judge a movie without seeing it. It's like, okay, dude, <laughs> calm the fuck down. <laughs> Yeah, this the Marvel movies got... are so persecuted. Yeah, and also, you, this is why you gotta think before you uh, hit post, you know? Yeah. Just think about it for a second. Just maybe put the phone down and just, you know, have a glass of water and then come back to it. But here's here's <laughs> what I'll say on that, actually, but to what we were saying. Well, we're all adults or whatever. And also, same thing with the the old offensive movies. No no one's making anybody watch these movies, right? So, like, totally. you don't yeah. have to watch them. And the same thing with us. We're bitching about Marvel movies. Whatever. They're out there. We don't have to watch them. We don't have to watch yeah. them. Or we can watch them if they look funny mm-hmm. enough. We can go see <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Yeah, that if, movie was fun. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. anyway, not to, let's not wade too far into that. I know. Well, it is, I mean, it is just like it's, it's, it was a part of this movie, and it was. Uh, I mean, I'm at an advantage because I like fucking loved this movie. I thought yeah. Last Temptation of Christ loved was it. fucking awesome, and so it's easier to talk about like those sourpusses who are you know protesting, lighting theaters on fire, and injuring people. You know, um, when when like I'm not a you know I'm not bothered by it. I think it was fucking awesome. This movie was great. I I I was like a little bit like ah. Oh. I went into it being like, okay, it's going to be a Jesus movie, which to me, I was like, is it going to be boring or is it going to be, <laughs> you know, I really was like, cause, cause fucking stuff about Jesus can be really boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this movie fucking whipped ass. I loved it. And it is true that it whipped ass in a, in a different, this is know, a kind of way. We haven't done this type of whip ass movie. And I was, you know, I was like, is this straying too far? But it's okay. Absolutely it's, not. No, yeah, yeah. Um, it's and be fucking whipped. People were outraged, but uh, it got nominated for best picture or best director. Sorry, but it it didn't win. But you know, it was it's well received in its time, and it mm-hmm. seven million budget got thirty three million. So you know, it did well. And that guy Scorsese made more movies after this. So I think you know, mm-hmm. history has spoken. Yep. Yep. Oh God, it's starting to hail on my roof. <laughs> oh my God! All right, you you gotta you gotta get out of here. Let's get out of here. We gotta so you go. Can, you, you can take shelter. I know that you're uh you know outside uh. in your in your uh shed. Um, <laughs> you gotta go take cover. <laughs> uh, well, I would say thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks, Adriel, for talking with me. Our next yes, it's, it's our next one is our one year anniversary. So it is. We're gonna you're right. We're gonna return to. Uh, Cynthia and Corey um you'll see you'll see we'll get we'll get into it more but um I gotta go <laughs> yeah all right well I'm excited I'm uh I'm, I, I think that we've got a couple good uh good flicks lined up and thank you if you all made it this far we really did some musing in this episode but thank you for that thank you for sticking with it yeah thank you well ever stay cool everyone yep stay cool <laughs>